You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Hogbeat Hour, and uh, we're switching it up this week. Uh, it's Alex Trader in the host chair, and uh, with me, I've got Mason Choate and the one, the only, Andrew Hutchinson. Um, guys, how are we feeling today? a good day to uh talk some football you know it, it's starting to feel like football weather and uh man i couldn't be more excited to have this uh, this auburn game come up it should be a good one yeah i'm hoping that they can pack the stands just like coach Pittman is uh requesting i think that auburn is a beatable opponent i don't know if arkansas is going to win but you know it's not georgia so that's a good thing and uh, it should be a good game on saturday yeah, that's a pretty solid mantra so far through this year. If it's not Georgia, you've got a chance. Um, but before we get into recapping last week, getting into uh, some kind of news that we've got coming out of the Razorbacks camp this week uh, and our preview of the Auburn game, we're going to first look in uh, Hutch. We have a deal going on at hogbeat.com this week or this through the rest of October, if I'm correct. Uh, and you can tell them about that real quick. Yeah, through the rest of the month, uh, the rest of October, uh, if you give me an email, uh, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com. Uh, I prefer spam to, to stop emailing me. This is, it's been really bad, uh, but it's worth it to get you all this deal. Uh, it, email me from your student's account. If you are a student at any university, whether it be University of Arkansas, somewhere else in the state, somewhere else in the, in the U.S. or internationally, whatever, as long as you've got a .edu email address, send me an email, tell me you want this deal, and I will hook you up with your first year of Hogbeat for just $11.95. That's usually about $100, uh, but we're going to give it to you your first year for $11.95. It's a heck of a deal, so be sure to shoot me an email, andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, and I will get you hooked up with that. Guys, it's three cents a day. It's absolutely worth it. I did the math. I double checked it. Um, so you're getting all kinds of recruiting coverage from myself. You're getting premium access stuff from Hutch, uh, as well as, you know, Mason's previews and, and everything else we've got going up at Hogbeat heading into basketball season. Um, last week was tough. Uh, for the first time this season, we're, we're coming into this and Arkansas is coming off back-to-back -back losses. Um it came down to a heartbreaker at the end. What do you guys think about the, the two, two point conversion call, uh, whether that be going for it in general or the play call that, that was given from uh, Kendall Bryles? Yeah, I'll start off. I mean, I, I feel like it was a no brainer decision to go for two. Uh, one, Sam Pittman has proven that, that he's going to do that. I mean, we saw it last year in the Missouri game, uh, it was successful although they did leave 40-something seconds on the clock, too much time for Missouri. Uh, this year, there was no time on the clock, and I feel like Sam Pittman thought, there's no way we're going to be able to stop this Ole Miss offense from going 25 yards in, in overtime, and much less if they get to you know third or whatever overtime when they start going the two-point conversions. He just felt like there's no way they could stop them. So they're like, hey, we're going to win this thing right here. Uh, the play call itself, I didn't hate it. You know, if you – I mean – Watching it live, I thought that it was maybe a bad call. But if you go back and watch the, the play and after hearing what the options were, it was three options. You know, KJ could have thrown a little shovel pass to Dominique Johnson. He could have thrown a pass into the end zone or he could have ran it himself. If Myron Cunningham had made a better block on the play and there weren't two people right in KJ's face, I feel like the play would have worked. I feel like the shovel pass was there. The lineman had it all blocked up. And Dominique, you know, being Dominique, it's going to take more than just one guy to bring him down. So I feel like they would have, if, if Myron had gotten that block, they would have gotten the two-point conversion, and we'd be talking about a win right now. You can talk about if this happened, if that happened, all you want. But at the end of the day, I, I know I did. I'm pretty sure most of you listening did as well. When it came to that two-point play, before they ran it, you were saying go for two. And if you were saying kick the field goal, then you're wrong because you go for two in that situation. As Hutch said, the defense was not going to stop Ole Miss. So you go for two, and a team always has that play where it's this, this, you know, break glass in case of emergency play. That was their break glass in case of emergency play. And unfortunately, it just didn't work. Like Hutch said, if you go back and watch it, I mean, 
Uh, he talked about Myron Cunningham missing the block, but if you watch Dominique Johnson, he kind of almost gave up on the play. I don't know if he was confused or what, but Dominique was almost just standing there, and if he just moves over to the right a little bit more, then KJ can shuffle it to him. There's there's so many things of, like, if this happens, if that happens, but it didn't. Arkansas lost, um, but it was the right call at the end of the day. And, I mean, even KJ Jefferson said, you know, they threw, the, they threw Arkansas a different package than Arkansas was expecting. So – um, it just it didn't happen, but I, I think it was the right call, and I think probably 98% of people agree with that. Yeah, I, I am one of those 98%, and I, I was also saying, hey, you have to go for two here. You're on the road. Uh, it's been a hard-fought game. You really probably already should have lost already. You got to give your put the, the fate of the game in your own hands and go out there and take it. Um, it, it does kind of stink that this game's coming down to that one play because there were, it was a heck of a game. It was an instant classic looking back at it. And, um, you know, there were also some other missed opportunities. You had the two point, but you also had a missed field goal from 50 where Ole Miss made theirs from 50. That's going to, I mean, that's a six point swing. That's going to impact the game. Um, and then you also had a couple of dropped interceptions on Matt Corral, where if the secondary is able to come up with them, it's holding points off the board. And then a 52 to 51 game, that's going to be important. Um, this wasn't on the offense, though. You know, coming off of Georgia, there were concerns that, you know, maybe the offense is stalling. Maybe Kendall Bryles isn't necessarily giving the type of looks that we were expecting coming into the season. Um but the offense able to put up 50 points. The problem in this game was the defense. And Hutch, I kind of just want to hear a little bit about uh, what you think is going wrong from your perspective. Yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was not a good defensive performance. I mean, you, you mentioned the dropped interceptions. Those would have completely changed the trajectory of the game. One of them came literally right before they kicked that 50-yard field goal that I don't know how Fouché didn't hang on to. I mean, they hit them right in the breadbasket. Uh, Jalen Catalans is a little bit tougher on a deep shot. Plus he's playing with a broken hand and a cast on there. So tough to reel that in, but you know, that's Jalen Catalan. We expect him to make those plays uh, that eventually led to a touchdown for Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken. So that, that was a big thing. You know, they, they struggled tackling Sam Pittman called it their poorest day of tackling of the year as uh, pro football focus. I think gave them 17 or 18 missed tackles, something like that. There were a lot. Uh, they, they could not get the running backs on the ground, and they gave up two 100-yard rushers, almost a third. Matt Corral finished with 94 yards rushing. Uh, that, was, that was bad. And then the, the busted coverage, uh, I think we even talked about this last week on the show. There were times when Hudson Card and uh, I think his name is Justin Tomlin for Georgia Southern, those guys had receivers open downfield. They just missed them. Well, Matt Corral is a Heisman candidate. He was not going to miss those throws. So, it really, it was just a total, total breakdown. You know, I think there's going to be changes this week. It looks like they might be going back to a four-man front. You know, that makes sense against Auburn's, you know, really good rushing attack. They're fourth nationally in yards uh, yards per carry. So, uh, going to be interesting to see how that four-man look, uh, four-man front looks against the uh, Auburn Tigers because – it definitely couldn't, well, I say this, it shouldn't be any worse than what we've seen in the last two weeks where they've given up almost 600 yards rushing in the last two games combined. Yeah, and going off that, uh, that was one of the reasons I did pick off uh, Ole Miss last week. I didn't feel great about it, but um, when you're looking at a guy with the talent of Matt Corral, it's very interesting to see kind of what's happening there. Um, you can argue that KJ Jefferson kind of outplayed Matt Corral this week, at least stood up to him and held his own against someone who's widely considered as a Heisman front runner. Um, looking, you know, you, oh, you always want to wrap up a week positive, whether that's a win or a loss. And I think there were some, some players who sh their stars were shining pretty bright. Um, I had KJ Jefferson this week as one of the players of the game, 326 yards on a, uh, on 71% completion, also had three passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns, did have an interception, but it was on a Hail Mary play. That really doesn't count. Um, and then I also had Rocket Sanders, who had 139 yards on 17 rushes. That's an 8.2 yards per carry average. That's insane. Uh, you know, Trey uh, Traylon Burks also had a pretty solid game. Was there anyone else that y'all saw in that game that kind of stood out to you as, as maybe a player of the game? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like those were the the main ones. However, you got to give a shout out to, to Warren Thompson. Uh, I thought that was kind of his breakout game. He did drop a, a pass, a deep ball that would have been a touchdown. You know, Arkansas ended up scoring on the drive, so it didn't hurt him too bad. Uh, but he also made a, a, a really nice catch, I believe, on the last drive of the game. Uh, that was a critical play. Uh, made some other catches. He caught the gate. He caught the two uh, the touchdown uh, as as time expired. That was a you know, I think Sam Pittman even said that he thought it was an overthrow, but Warren Thompson went up and got it. Uh, he also was open on a what should have been a touchdown earlier in the game uh, before Arkansas kicked a field goal, uh, but KJ overthrew him. Uh, so you're looking at a guy that could have had two touchdowns, uh, you know, maybe even a third if he do- dropped the one. So uh, he was a he had a really nice performance, and I think that that's a big time development if Arkansas can have you know more than just you know we, we've seen Tyson Morris do it in flashes. Uh, but if they can get another guy in there that can catch passes other than Traylon Burks, that, that would be huge for this offense. I look at the Arkansas offense kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs offense, and th- this that's me being a Chiefs fan, but what they have is they have Tyree Kill as the number one receiver. That's Traylon Burks for Arkansas. And then after that, every game it's just like who's going to show up and be the number two receiver. And it's almost a different guy every time. So Hutch is talking about it was Warren Thompson against Ole Miss. So, or some games have been uh, Tyson Morris. You know, we might see it be Davion Warren at some point. But I really like Trey, Trey Knox. I mean, like, how long have we been asking for Trey Knox to come and do something? And finally, Trey Knox does something. So um, is Trey Knox going to end up being the next great Arkansas tight end? I don't know. Um, but he looked really good against Ole Miss. And it's great to finally have a tight end who is a legit pass-catching threat and not just someone who can block people. So we've been looking for that out of Hudson Henry. We haven't seen it yet. And we – I mean, Blake Kern catches a few passes here and there, but um, Trey Knox is probably better at catching the football than Blake Kern. So if he can continue to progress and stay healthy, then he might be a, a pretty legit threat at tight end for Arkansas. All right, now that we've got the Ole Miss game out of the way, let's all take a deep breath, and we'll just move it to the past. Um, Before we get into news from what we saw this week, we're going to go ahead and head to a break. Um, But coming up, make sure you guys stick around. We do have news from around the college football world, from around Fayetteville, from around Arkansas's campus, um, as well as a great Know the Foe segment with AuburnSports.com's Brian Matthews. He's the editor over at the the Rivals site for Auburn. Um, and we've got our preview here at Hogbeat of what we can, what we're expecting to see in Arkansas's matchup at 11 o'clock on Saturday against the Auburn Tigers. Stick with us, and we'll be right for right back for that. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. And we're back here at the Hogbeat Hour. I'm your host, Alex Trader. I'm joined by Mason Choate and Andrew Hutchinson. Um, and, and it was a wild week of college football. Um, you, you know, you saw the Titan that is the Alabama get taken down uh, in a thriller against Texas A&M. Some other great games, Texas, Oklahoma, and the Red River shootout. You had uh, Nebraska, Michigan was a great game. Just classic after classic after classic this week. Um, first, Coming out of Ole Miss week, we have seen a couple guys get banged up in Arkansas's corner. Hutch, can you talk to us a little bit about what's going on with Arkansas and give a bit of an injury report? Yeah, so uh, I think the biggest news of the week, though, is is Dalton Wagner. Uh, He had uh, surgery on his finger on Monday. Uh, Sam Pittman didn't give an exact timeline, but said he's going to miss a while. Uh, That is a significant blow. He's the Arkansas starting right tackle. Uh, He's played really well this year uh, and you know, graded out really high on pro football focus, been kind of one of the surprises this season. Uh, he didn't play against Ole Miss. Ty Clary started in his spot. Uh, so expect that to continue, although we did see a little bit more shuffling along the offensive line at practice on Tuesday. Uh, we saw Brady Latham move from left guard to right tackle. Uh, Luke Jones, who we thought was going to be kind of a swing backup tackle, moved to left guard again, his original position. So guys are still kind of moving around. I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what the best combination is up front if uh, Dalton Wagner is going to miss an extended period of time, which it sounds like. Uh, then outside of that, you know, we learned that Jalen Catalan has a broken hand. I know there had been some kind of rumblings on the message boards and stuff like that, that he was not 100% healthy uh, playing with the broken hands. He was not at practice uh, on, on Monday or Tuesday, we don't believe. 
uh, that is interesting. You know, I'm not sure what his status is, but I would imagine he's a guy that, you know, kind of like Grant Morgan last year, he'd have to pretty much have to, to lose a hand in order for, to keep him out of a game. Uh, it did get some encouraging updates on a guy named Trent Gordon. Uh, that's a name you might not recognize. He was a transfer from Penn state this off season, former four-star recruit listed as the backup nickel on the depth chart all year has not played. And we find out that that's because he's been banged up. He's been injured. Uh, sounds like he's going to be uh, either back this week or soon after Sam Pittman said he's hopeful he'll be able to play this week. Uh, so that is a, a guy to watch. Uh, and, you know, Mason earlier mentioned Trey Knox, you know, if he can stay healthy, he could be a, a really good contributor at tight end. Well, don't know what's going on yet, but uh, he was not at practice the last two days on, on Monday and Tuesday. So uh, don't know what's going on there. Uh, you hope he's okay. Cause he's a guy that you, you've got to root for. He's such a great attitude, you know, could have easily transferred former, you know, heralded recruit uh, replaced, hadn't been playing much. And he's just put his nose down and, worked hard and, and looky here we saw it result in a, in a breakout game against Ole Miss so hopefully if it is injury related whatever it is uh, hopefully he's okay and able to play but uh, it is worth noting that he was not at practice at least during the viewing period for the media on Monday or Tuesday and it is part of the game but you never like to see guys banged up especially you know when they're trying to have those type of breakout moments and, and position themselves to either make this a career or make uh, help themselves stand out at the college level um but the biggest story out of this week i you have to say the college football matrix is broken the the alabama clemson georgia uh, ohio state oklahoma mold is you know, all, I think Clemson out of bye week and, and all those other teams won, but Alabama fell, uh, broke a hundred game winning streak over unranked opponents. Um, first time losing to an assistant of his, they showed a graphic that had everything that was at stake at the end of that game. Um, and it was, it was wild. You, you look at it and there's so many options there of, you know, pick a stat that you want to put out on Twitter and have it go viral. Um, what were y'all able to watch that game? And, and what'd you think about you know, how, how Alabama looked down the stretch there. I was uh, making my way back from Oxford, so I wasn't able to watch it on TV, but I was following it very closely on Twitter. I was riding with somebody else. So I was able to, to keep refreshing my timeline. And it was just like, Oh, well, okay. A&M's up three to nothing. How about that? And then, Oh, wow. It's 17 to seven or something. And it was just, it just kept on like, Holy cow. Is Texas A&M going to do this? And then to, to see it end the way it did, I mean, Calzada was just incredible. I saw where they were chanting his name at the in the stands. I mean, it, it, second largest crowd they've ever had in College Station. Uh, so it was just an incredible moment. And then to have the, the, the field goal at the end, and I don't know if everyone here has, has seen the, the video of, of his family, uh, just incredible, uh, incredible moment. I mean, I couldn't imagine – being, uh, you know, a parent in that situation or something, someone so connected, uh, just a, an awesome moment for, for Texas A&M. And hey, they will, they will gladly pay the $100,000 fine that, that came with the fan storm in the field. Yeah, I was able to catch a little bit of the game, mostly in the first half. But what really stood out to me was that uh, Isaiah Spiller for Texas A&M um, Jalen Weidermeyer for Texas A&M, those players that you worried about when Arkansas was going to play them, that Arkansas did a great job of, you know, shutting down aside from what the 67-yard run that Spiller had. Bama, you know, struggled against them. So it, it, it was just like really confusing. I was sitting on the couch with my wife watching the game and I was like, I don't understand this because Arkansas held this A&M team to 10 points and then Ole Miss put up 52 points on Arkansas today. And she was like, I don't know what that means. And I was like, basically what it means is it's really confusing. But Texas A&M, are they good now? Is Alabama not as good as we thought? I don't know. But uh, it, it just confuses me a little bit more, especially with the Arkansas defense at this point. Yeah, you know, you've seen people talking about this is all, oh, this is the 2007 season all over again. Complete chaos hasn't quite broken loose, but if you look at the top 10, like there's so many teams in there you weren't expecting to see in there. It's been insane. Um, I do have a hypothetical, or maybe not a hypothetical, but a question I want to pose for y'all. If I was offering a $100 bet right now, uh, and you can either take Alabama to make the playoff or not, what are you doing? I'll start with you, Mason. Uh, I'm going to take, take Alabama to make the playoff. I mean, who else are they going to lose to? 
Um, aside from, I guess, I guess the only team they would lose to is Georgia in the SEC championship game. But realistically, are they going to put a two-loss Alabama team in, or are they going to put maybe an undefeated uh, Cincinnati team or a, a one-loss, I don't know, a, a one-loss Big Ten team not named Ohio State? Uh, but you have to think if Alabama has one or two losses and one of those losses is to Georgia, they're going to make it. You'd have to think they would they would make it, right? Uh, I don't know. Uh I think in that scenario, because I think Georgia is better. I think Georgia is a better team. Um, you know, maybe Alabama finds a way to put it all together, but I feel like Georgia will shut them down. That that defense is incredible. So then you're looking at a two-loss Alabama team, and I just – I don't know. I think we would need more chaos to unfold. So right now, I think Alabama's on the outside looking in. I feel like you, you've got – you know, assuming Cincinnati doesn't slip up, I think you've got to put Cincinnati in – uh, you've got Georgia in my scenario. Uh, you've got, you know, Oklahoma has yet to lose, but they've looked really shaky. But who knows what they look like if they make a quarterback change. Uh, then, you know, maybe uh, the, the Big Ten champ, I think, is definitely going to get in. And they've got, I think, five teams in the top ten right now. So, you know, maybe, maybe we need to talk about the Big Ten possibly getting two teams in the playoff. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because um... – I am absolutely taking Alabama to miss the playoff in this scenario. There's no chance they get in if they're a two loss team. And especially if they don't win the championship, if they slip up against someone else, I don't know who all they have remaining on their schedule, but say they lose to a top 10 Arkansas team. If they beat Georgia, you'd say there's maybe a chance, but I don't think they have any shot against Georgia. And I get that that's saying, Oh, Nick Saban doesn't have a chance they haven't looked like a very solid team in the two road games they've played this year. They, they almost lost to Florida, um, got saved by the same similar situation, two point conversion. And then, you know, you're, you lose on the road to an unranked Texas A&M team that had been dog walked the previous two weeks against Arkansas and Mississippi state. It's just, I don't know what's going on in Alabama. They're used to being the top, you know, maybe one, two, three team in the country. I think they're a little bit closer to that top five, top seven range this year. Um, and I, I don't think that's necessarily an awful thing, but you know, you're going to have ebbs and flows in college football. And, and I think, going through that learning period with Bryce Young makes it a little bit tougher. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a big t- two, two big 10 teams have a better chance than two sec teams this year. And that's strange to say, but just looking at it conceptually say a one loss, Ohio state barely beats an uh, undefeated Iowa in the championship game. You're looking there. At, does Cincinnati get snubbed, even though they're undefeated? I think it's very possible. Um, and the, the p- committee has, has shown that they would be willing to do so. Um, Moving away from Alabama, another playoff uh, playoff contender had some big news coming out of the Red River shootout this week as projected number one overall pick, and, and he was kind of crowned the number one quarterback in college football preseason for whatever reason. Spencer Rattler was benched on Saturday against Texas after they fell down 28-7. Um, Hutch, I know the Arkansas game was on at that same time, but what is Rattler being benched? kind of mean for this Oklahoma team? Does it give them a new life with, with a guy like Caleb Williams coming in? That's kind of what I'm thinking is, I mean, they, they've struggled this year. I mean, they struggled to beat Tulane. They struggled uh, some in some other games, and, and they didn't look great. I mean, they needed a, a historic comeback to beat Texas. And, you know, I don't think Texas is well, – I mean, I thought Texas wasn't that great, you know, after what I saw against Arkansas. Uh, but, you know, maybe, maybe Texas is a really good team. I don't know. Uh, but – that could change the Oklahoma trajectory. And I think they needed some sort of new blood uh, in there to, to kind of spark them. And we saw it, you know, not quite this early in the season, but we saw it with Alabama a couple of years ago with Tua replacing Jalen Hurts. You know, maybe, maybe that happens. Um, you know, I know it was injury force, but we saw what Ohio State did a few years ago when they, they had multiple injuries and they've got like their third string quarterback leading them to a national championship. So really interesting. And I mean, just – the fact that we're talking about all this craziness in college football, I mean, you brought up the 2007 season earlier uh, was an incredible season. You know, it's awesome. I think it's great. I mean, the, the whole Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Final Four, you know, maybe with the Notre Dame sprinkled in there or something, that was getting kind of boring. You know, maybe if we start seeing a little bit more of this, maybe this is a trend. Maybe you see some teams like in Arkansas that is capable if they, you know, catch lightning in a bottle, can – 
you know, make a run to the college football playoff. I think that would be awesome. And I think if you're an Arkansas fan, you have to like it because Arkansas is not one of those traditional blue blood programs. You're one of those teams that's clawing to, to make a move like an Iowa or, uh, you know, someone like that, that isn't typically the kind of team you, you pencil into the college football playoff conversation. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind leaving maybe one of those four teams that you mentioned in the playoff discussion every year, but um, you, you did bring up two callbacks there that I think are perfect to transition us into the next topic. And that was 2007 season and lightning in a bottle. Of course, I'm talking about the LSU Tigers. Uh, they were the national champions in 2007 and coach O got as lucky as lucky can be in 2019 to put together a team that could win a national championship now LSU off to a shaky start losses, you know, uh, Kentucky, they lost to Auburn a couple weeks ago, not looking good for the Tigers lost to UCLA to start the season coach O is squarely on the hot seat. And, you know, there's off the field stuff that's going on as well that might contribute to that. But um, on the field, at least it looks like the players have kind of given up and, and their best player, Keishon Boutte is out for an indefinite amount of time going forward this season. Um, how, how hot do you think Coach O's seat is? And do you think we could be seeing a, an interim when uh, Arkansas travels to the boot later on this season? Yeah, I think his seat's really, really hot because they didn't just lose against Kentucky. I mean, they got blown out. I think the final score ended up being like 42-21 and looking respectable, but it was kind of like the Texas game uh, a couple of years ago for, or a couple of weeks ago for Arkansas. It was worse than the final score indicated. And you mentioned the injury. I mean, Derek Stingley's another one of their top players. He's been hurt. Who knows if he's going to come back? He may just say, hey, I'm going to go be a first-round draft pick. Uh, they may just mail it in. And I think that that bodes well for Arkansas because, you know, if the if the team mails it in, you, you would imagine the fans mail it in. Uh, suddenly that trip to Death Valley is not as scary as you thought it was going to be, uh, you know, in mid-November when they, when they visit there. So – that would be huge because then you're looking at maybe another win for Arkansas. Maybe you're talking about an eight or nine win season for, for the Hogs and, and LSU's down. You know, who knows who they would go higher, you know, if they, they do move on from Coach O. But, you know, that, that's huge for the SEC West pecking order. And one, before we move off of college football around the country, one huge, huge candidate for the LSU job per one of my favorite accounts on Twitter, Message Board Geniuses, um, LSU fans are wondering how much it would cost to buy out a certain Cincinnati quarterback's contract for him to come coach the LSU Tigers. Um, I, at this point, it, you can't even, you can't make up that kind of parody that you're seeing on that account. It, it's awesome. Uh, every week, you know, you're seeing people, they posted one of Miami fans asking how long you had to wait to hire, uh, to hire John Gruden. And you just, there's complete chaos. Every time a team loses, it's awesome. Alabama had fans calling for Nick Saban to, to be fired. Just um, you, you got to love it. And when you're winning games, it's able, you're able to kind of take a step back and say, wow, look at the, look at these idiots. But then you're, you, a couple weeks remove a couple losses in a row and you're right back in that same situation. They are um, moving off of college football. Uh, we've got some pretty big sporting events in the Ar other Arkansas major sports. We've got the hoops, red, white game Sunday at Barnhill, um, which Hutch, are you going to be there for that? Yep. I played on being there. Like I was a couple of years ago for the red, white game. Really, really looking forward to seeing what the atmosphere is like in Barnhill. Uh, we got a taste of it a couple of years ago, but that was, you know, Eric Musman's first season. I mean, there was excitement around a new coach, but now you've got the excitement surrounding an Elite Eight team and a team that's probably going to be preseason top 20, top 15, maybe top 10, like Arkansas, with a lot of new faces, a lot of really good players. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we get Barnhill hopping a little bit. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that Sunday afternoon. And finally, for our news segment, um, Dave Van Horn, the Fall World Series. Uh, can we get an update on what's going on there and, and you know, if there's going to be anything else the rest of this week that people could go check out? Yeah, so right now it's looking like the uh, Game 5 of the Fall World Series, which is scheduled for Friday, uh, well, it's TBA Friday, but probably be Friday afternoon, probably not going to happen. They, they'll make a final decision Wednesday. Uh, I'll have that news on hogbeat.com on the message boards and everything, so go check that out. Uh, but uh, right now, I mean, the Fall World Series is going pretty well. It's given us a really good first look at some, some freshmen. Peyton Stovall, uh, the heralded freshman who turned down probably you know, $2 million in the MLB draft this summer to come to Arkansas. 
has looked like the real deal. I mean, the dude has done nothing but hit. He's been, you know, really patient in his at bats, uh, not looking like a freshman. I had somebody, someone on the message board who is a big time baseball guy said that it reminded him of the first time he saw Heston Kerstad in a, in a fall scrimmage. And that <laughs> that's a pretty good comparison. Uh, if, if you're Peyton Stovall. So, uh, I think he's he's going to be really good. So I'm, he hit a 411 foot home run to dead center uh, when I was there on on Monday watching the scrimmage. So he is a a big time guy. And then there's other there's other freshmen that have been playing well, newcomers that are playing well. You know, Michael Turner, the transfer catcher, has been playing well. Uh, Hagen Smith had a really nice outing the other day uh, on the mound. So uh, lots of lots of new faces for Arkansas fans to get familiar with on a on a really talented baseball team. All right, and that'll wrap up our In the News for this week. Uh, make sure you all do stick around, though, because right after the break, we have Know the Foe with uh, Brian Matthews. He's the editor over at AuburnSports.com. That's Auburn's rivals, Auburn site in the Rivals Network. Make sure you guys check that out. Hutch asks some great questions, gets some great insight into what we can expect um, for the Auburn game from an Auburn insider. So definitely worth listening to and uh, stay around after that because we're going to be heading into our predictions and thoughts and, and taking a look at some key matchups for uh, Arkansas when they take on Auburn Saturday at 11 a.m. Uh, in Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Hey everybody, I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of hogbeat.com, your Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. Uh, after a 4-0 start, the Hogs have lost their last two games with the most recent coming in heartbreaking fashion at Ole Miss. Uh, but they're finally back in Fayetteville this week, ready to face an Auburn team that's unranked, but just outside of the top 25 receiving votes. Uh, but with that, it's time to once again go behind enemy lines. Uh, for some insider perspective on this upcoming game. Uh, Brian Matthews is the senior editor at AuburnSports.com, the Auburn site in the Rivals Network. He does a great job of covering the Tigers and was kind enough to give us some time today. Uh, Brian, really appreciate you joining us. How are you? I'm good, and I'm not your enemy, Andrew, but we are both enemies of <laughs> Alabama, right? Exactly, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's kind of start off a little bit broad. Uh, how would you characterize, you know, the Auburn season at the halfway point of 2021? Been kind of a roller coaster. I think it's going to be that way probably the rest of the way. Um, got off to a nice start against some, you know, outman teams. Played well at Penn State, but uh, Penn State ultimately came through in the fourth quarter. Had a really big scare against Georgia State. Um, nearly lost that game. They had to get the backup quarterback, T.J. Finley, to come off the bench to uh, complete a fourth down pass to win that game. And then, you know, they, they got a big win in LSU. Uh, for those that don't know, that's the first time Auburn's won at LSU since 1999. So they broke a 22 year streak and that really set them off into SEC play. And Georgia beat them pretty good 34, 10 at home, uh, last Saturday, but Georgia may be the best team in the country. So that's not surprising. I think Auburn, Arkansas, I just I look at the matchup. I think it's pretty even and should be a pretty exciting game and should be a fourth quarter game. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there. I mean, the Tigers ran into a buzzsaw that is Georgia last week. Arkansas experienced that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, how, how did Auburn come out of that game from an injury perspective? And how do you think the team's mindset is, you know, coming off a, you know, a tough game and heading into, as you said, a, a, a pretty tough game this weekend? Well, they got kind of lucky against Georgia, no major injuries. Um, and that's a big Georgia team that can knock guys around, right? So that's that's kind of surprising they came out that way. Um, they do have a major injury um, that's been all going last uh, three weeks now, and that's Owen Popo. They're uh, one of their uh, two uh, permanent captains. He's a starting linebacker, uh, an NFL guy, certainly, um, after this year, probably. But um, He's been battling uh, an injury that's kept him out. He's been close to playing, so I think he'll probably be back this week, but that'll be one to watch closely, really preseason warm-ups. We won't know in, until then for sure. And diving into more of that, that personnel, uh, you, you mentioned T.J. Finley coming off the bench against Georgia State, uh, but, I mean, everyone knows Bo Nix. You know, he's been kind of the guy for a few years now. Uh, how, how has his season gone, and, and what does he do well, and, and what does he maybe still struggle with? Well, um, 
he is a playmaker, right? When things break down, he can still make plays. And if you've seen the highlights from Auburn, I mean, Auburn LSU, yeah, you, you, you've seen that before. Um, he can be a little erratic with his um, accuracy at times. Uh, but the biggest thing that's really um, kept him from developing into, you know, being the type of quarterback you expect for a five-star rivals quarterback, uh, you know, he's had a rough offensive line for the last couple of years, you know, as far as pass protection. And then his receiver this, this year already have, I think it's 22 drops uh, in six games. They had 19 all of last year. I think that was 11 games. So uh, that's been a big, big issue. They had seven or eight drops against Georgia. Uh, they don't have a number one receiver. I don't think they have a number two receiver. Uh, so that's, that's really an area that, um, you know, Auburn is struggling to get consistent production from. They are using the tight ends and running backs a lot more in the passing game. And they've got some good ones there. And I, I would expect them to continue to try to do that Arkansas. And I mean, the, the run game, it's got, looks like there's kind of a two-headed monster. Everyone knew about Tank Bigsby coming into the season, but it looks like uh, Jarquez Hunter's having a really good year as well. What's kind of the scouting report on, on the Tigers' run game? Well, you know, Tank Bigsby is one of the best running backs in the country. He um, got off to a really good start, 100 yards, more than 100 yards in the first three games. But since then, Auburn's fallen behind. Um, and it's forced them to throw more than they wanted to. They have not established the running game. In the last three, they, they went back to it against LSU in the fourth quarter, and it worked. Jarquez Hunter had about a 40-yard run to set up that last score there, which was really big. But um, that's been an area that um, they need to get back to because I don't think their offense functions really well if they're not a run-play-action type team. That's, that's what Harson and Mike Bobo want to do. That's how they're built, or they, that's how they're tried to be built. They're not necessarily that good at it on the offensive line but um you look at what arkansas has done run defense wise the last couple of weeks i think that's an area that Auburn's really going to try to um, take advantage of we'll see if it works or not and last week you know, arkansas marched up and down the field against an ole miss defense that uh i mean probably improved but uh, still not great uh i think most people think that they're going to be facing a much tougher challenge this weekend in auburn uh, what kind of unit does the Auburn have on that side of the ball? Pretty tough front seven, uh, especially against the run. They held Georgia, I think, uh, I think it was under 40 yards, or around 40 yards in the first half. And then they finally got going. Georgia's got one of the best offensive lines in the country, and they ran for about 160 in the second. But Auburn's got some decent depth up front. Uh, pass rush-wise, they don't have like a superstar guy. They've got about four or five guys that will rotate in there. Uh, they've got some solid pass rushers, but nobody's special. And then the secondary should be better than it's playing right now. Um, they've got a guy like Roger McCreary, who's you know projected as a first-round draft pick at cornerback. They've got a senior safety in Smoke Monday. They've got uh, a bunch of other experienced DBs. But I think those guys are struggling a little bit with um, Derek Mason uh, switching to more uh, zone coverages, uh, whereas under – uh, the previous coordinator is almost always man. And um, uh, they've looked bad at times. They've really blown some coverage. They've given up some big plays. So we'll see. You would expect that to improve as the season goes on. And I have I have noticed Derek Mason using uh, man a little bit more. You know, I don't think that's his what he wants to do, but I think he recognizes that that's what these DBs do better right now. So we'll see. But I think there will be opportunities for Arkansas to make some big plays in the passing game. They've got some really good receivers, much better than Auburn. So I think that's an area of concern from Auburn's perspective. That kind of leads me to my next question. Like if, if you were an offensive coordinator, how would you attack this Auburn defense? And are there key players that you would make sure to game plan around and, and maybe some weaknesses that you would try to exploit? Well, I, I think against Auburn, you can throw to set up the run. I really do because they don't have a great pass rush. Uh, their secondary is still pretty inconsistent because of the schemes. And, um, you know, they've got a guy like Smoke Monday, who I consider a box safety. He's a really good player. But when he's back there 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage or, or deeper trying to cover guys, he's not as good as, as a football player as he is when he's, you know, close to the scrimmage and, and doing those type of things, attacking the line. But um, so I would try to attack Auburn deep, you know. I, I would take as many shots as I can get, you know. I, I, I think your quarterback's going to have time to sit in the pocket. You know, not all the time. Um, Auburn's got some guys that can – get pressures and get sacks. But um, yeah, I think that's there for them. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how Auburn uh, approaches it defensively. They've been fairly soft in coverages, you know, um, given some cushions. So 
uh, you know, I think this could be an offensive type game. If Auburn can get their ground game going and Arkansas can throw early and start mixing it up, this could be, you know, maybe not 52-51, but it could be uh, definitely an exciting offensive game. And one more kind of broader question for you that I was just curious about, you know, Brian Harson was a little bit of an interesting hire, at least on the outside looking in. Uh, how, how was that received and, and how is the Auburn fan base and like y'all's message board and things like that kind of receiving him so far through, through six games in his tenure? Well, I think Auburn fans were just tired of gusts. You know, I, I think they're ready to move on. You know, I guess he's a great dude, but I think they wanted a, a different offense and a different approach to recruiting. I think the uh, reaction of Harsh has been pretty um, – I think everybody's behind him. They're excited to have anybody there. Uh, I don't think he's done anything special yet, although, although that LSU win, breaking that streak, was really big. And I think that um, gives him something to build on for this season. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I think it's a wait and see of what he can do. I think everybody down here recognizes that if you want to beat Auburn – I mean, if you want to beat Alabama or Georgia – or LSU on a consistent basis, or Clemson, Ohio State, you've got to recruit at a much higher level. And that goes for everybody in the SEC. And uh, I think everybody's waiting to see how that, um, you know, comes about here under Harson. Um, has not made a big splash in recruiting yet. But, um, you know, that's changed a little bit now with the transfer portal, right? It's not necessarily recruiting, it's um, town acquisition. So uh, we'll see how that can sort of work out and see if maybe there's another path to, um, you know, building a, a strong roster other than just signing, you know, rivals 100 and five stars all the time. For sure. And, and to kind of circle back to this game on Saturday, Arkansas for the first time in forever, maybe 2017 is actually the betting favorite this weekend. I think they're three and a half favorites last I checked. Um, you don't necessarily have to give a score prediction or anything here. And you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but how do you see this weekend's game playing out? And then what do you think are maybe the keys for, for either side uh, coming out on top this weekend? I do think this is going to be a good, exciting four-quarter game. I probably will pick Auburn in our pick em, but I would not be surprised to go either way. And I, I like, uh, from the visiting perspective, that it's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, you know, I think uh, the key for Auburn is just to establish a running game. There's so much better team when they can do that, you know, it takes the pressure off Bo Nix. It takes the pressure off a really average receiving core <laughs> to make plays. And then it takes the pressure off the defense, feeling like they've got to be perfect, uh, you know, and, and just wait for the offense to get going. So um, uh, defensively, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be rough because it looks like Arkansas's quarterback is really starting to come on, right? You know, and he can do some things with his legs that I don't think Auburn's necessarily faced a lot of this season. And I think that's a really tough matchup for those guys. Um, they've got some good, talented players in the top, in the front seven, but they don't have like a, you know, a first round draft pick there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and they've got some depth too, but you saw them wear down against Georgia. So uh, this is going to be one of those games that's probably going to come down to the proverbial special teams play turnover, you know, one team making that play there in the fourth quarter. So, you know, we'll see. I, I, I would not be surprised to go either way. I would be surprised if either team just, you know, went, in, went out there and, and, and ran, the, ran the floor on them. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one and, and one I'm looking forward to personally. But uh, that's all I got for you, man. Uh, appreciate you giving us some insight on the Tigers. Uh, and as a reminder to everyone listening, the uh, kickoff is, as Brian said, 11 a.m. Central. Uh, you can watch the game on CBS. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can always see these Know the Foe segments, uh, as well as press conferences, practice clips, recruiting videos, and much, much more content like that. And as always, be sure to visit hogbeat.com for our coverage of all things Arkansas. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. And we're back here at the Hogbeat Hour. I'm your host, Alex Trader, joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Mason Choate. Thanks again to Brian Matthews over at AuburnSports.com um, for coming and doing that Know the Foe with Andrew. Uh, great stuff for, from those guys uh, in kind of figuring out what Auburn's got going on, um, a look at it from an insider. Now looking at it from, uh, you know, guys who, who necessarily haven't followed Auburn super close this year, um, but – this is a great matchup between these two teams right now, Arkansas finally favored in an sec game uh, and they're favored by three and a half points right now. The total is sitting at 54. 
Um, what do you guys think about that opening line? Hey, I think it's kind of where it has to be. I mean, Arkansas is at home. They're the ranked team. They've looked better uh, this year than, than Auburn has. So I think it's just kind of a reflection of where the two programs are. And I think most people kind of circled this game as a, a game Arkansas could potentially win with Auburn having a new coach. So uh, I think it's, it's sitting right there where it needs to be. Although, you know, 54 points for the, the total, that, that seems maybe a little low just because I think our, Arkansas is going to be able to, to score some points. And I think the defense has shown the last couple of weeks that they're going to give up some points. Uh, but who knows? Maybe we see the, the the defense from the first couple of weeks of the season. I don't know. Yeah, and, and you know, Mason, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that, you know, kind of like Hutch said, I think Arkansas has proved that it, as of now on paper, they're probably the better team. Um, offensively, Arkansas has shown that they can score points. They showed last week. But also defensively, they showed that they're going to give up points. So, um, I think I think it, everything's right about where it needs to be going into the game. Um, and it it almost feels like a toss up as of now to me, at least on paper. Arkansas has better wins, but I think both teams are pretty, pretty even. Yeah. And, you know, you you have that 11 a.m. kick, which is always kind of beneficial for the visitors. It's able to get keep the uh, the home fans a little bit out of the stadium more than they would be for a night game. But I have no doubt that, that this Arkansas crowd is going to be fired up, especially after what happened last year um, with, with the forward pass versus the fumble. Crazy stuff at the end of that game. The SEC kind of admitted later on, hey, we, we might have messed this up. Um, it's homecoming weekend as well, and Sam Pittman has called on the students, like Mason mentioned earlier, to get out in the stands, be loud, go give them that true home field advantage that you're going to want to see. Um, and with the team being ranked in the AP poll versus years past, you're definitely going to see uh, a little bit more of a pop, you'd have to think. Um, beyond that, looking at the actual game matchup, you mentioned it, Hutch. The defense was very bad last week, and they weren't great against Georgia either. Um, how do you think they're going to be able to bounce back against a rushing attack that's pretty solid with Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, and Bo Nix? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's going to be the kind of the key, in my opinion. I think it's going to help that it looks like they might be shifting back to a four-man front, You know, get some more bodies in there to try to stop the run. Uh, you don't necessarily need as many defensive backs out there against Bo Nix. He's not the not the passer that Matt Corral is to say the least. Uh, so, but he is he is dangerous with his legs. He can scramble. So you've got to watch out for him uh, in that regard. Plus, you know Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, those two dudes. I mean, Jarquez Hunter leads the country in yards per carry. I mean, that, that's it's that's dangerous. I mean, he's averaging like nine yards a pop or something like that. Uh, so it's it's going to be a challenge for Arkansas, uh, but. I think trying to maybe change up some schematics, you know, putting another emphasis on, you know, tackling at, at practice this week, you know, maybe we'll see a bounce back performance and, you know, they, they've shown in the past and we've talked about this after the, the Georgia loss, they've shown in the past that they aren't going to let a heartbreaking loss like that kind of linger. I mean, we saw them lose, as you said, with the controversial finish at Auburn last year and they bounced back and, and beat Ole Miss the next week. You know, maybe, maybe they reverse that. Maybe they lose to Ole Miss last week and bounce back with a, a big win against Auburn this week. Yeah, and you never want to ride too high or too low after a win or a loss. But, um, you know, someone who might be feeling themselves a little bit is K.J. Jefferson, who we mentioned had a heck of a game uh, in the Grove last week. Uh, Mason, how do you think him and, and a guy who I honestly thought should be benched coming into this season for T.J. Finley, uh, how do you think him and Bo Nix are going to match up against each other? Well, I think as of now, K.J. Jefferson is the better quarterback. Maybe coming into the season, people thought Bo Nix would be the better quarterback. A lot of people thought Bo Nix would be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, we might be seeing a little bit of the Chad Morris effect with Bo Nix. Uh, one year under Chad Morris, and things just aren't going as well as he planned. But for K.J. Jefferson, he's proved that at least, at least now he's a top-five quarterback in the SEC. I don't think that's too much to say. Um, Bo Nix was benched against Georgia State. So um, he came out against LSU and, you know, he played well. Uh, I guess on that one crazy play, everybody says that he won the game for him. But um, I think KJ Jefferson is the better quarterback. I feel like this might be a game where Bo Nix comes in almost kind of like Matt Corral at Arkansas last year, where, you know, Arkansas remembers what Bo Nix did. 
Um, and I think that, you know, the hostile environment added on to, uh, you know, Arkansas is going to be playing their defense, at least is going to be playing with some vengeance after what they did last week. I think Bonacci is going to make some mistakes in this game. And I think KJ Jefferson, he's just going to be KJ Jefferson. He's not a guy that makes a whole lot of mistakes, to be honest with you, as bad as the accuracy has been at times, he doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. So um, I think KJ Jefferson is just a better quarterback period. Yeah, I don't think it's too far, too much of a stretch to say that. You see, uh, you know, Bo Nix, uh, watching that LSU game, he did have a couple plays that made me go, wow, I might have been wrong about benching him. But I don't think that means all that much when you're looking at, at a, a guy who was able to come in and just win against Georgia State but not keep that job. Um, I, I do think it's interesting, though, however, that Nix kind of is playing well enough for, for Auburn to win games. They've already got 23 drops on the season so far. Um, and I don't think his receivers are doing him all that many favors. You're not seeing last year. They had, they had uh, a pretty solid receiving core. You're not seeing that necessarily this much at, or at that as much this year um, on, on the Arkansas side, you're, you're seeing the passing game kind of open up as well as that rushing attack. Hutch, what do you think of how, how Kendall Bryles game plan shook out last week uh, and some adjustments he might've made from earlier on in the season? Yeah, I thought it was it was excellent. I mean, they scored 51 points. Uh, I think there was a few questionable moments, like in the second quarter. Uh, they were running the ball really, really well, and then they started trying to pass it. Uh, it just kind of – it was just didn't feel right. Uh, but I feel like that's happened in a few games this year where, where the second quarter just you're, like, scratching your head, like, what, what were they thinking? Uh, but, again, they scored 51 points and put up more yards in a conference game than they've ever had in school history. So, again, you can't really – blame the offense for last week and I think they uh, they did what they needed to do I mean they exploited deep passes and when we saw them go deep to Traylon Burks on back-to-back plays and, and Burks made did what Burks does and made incredible catches you saw, we saw Warren Thompson catch a deep ball you know we've seen Tyson Morris get involved in the deep uh, deep passing game in the past uh, and then of course the run game was was excellent I mean KJ ran for 85 yards Traylon Smith ran for 85 yards Rocket Sanders went for 139 you could have very easily had three 100 yard rushers and that just doesn't happen very often. And so uh, I think that it was a, a fantastic performance by the offense and that they're starting to really kind of find their groove. Uh, and I think, you know, early in this, before the season, I thought the strength of this team was going to be the defense. And now at the midway point, I kind of think the opposite. I think the strength of this team is going to be the offense and the defense just needs to do just enough uh, to get a stop here or there and let your offense go win the game for you. I think after those first couple of games, that would have been a very fair, fair um, expectation that the defense was what was holding this team up. Um, we talked a little bit about finding that wide receiver two to pair with Traylon, uh, with Traylon Burks. How about potentially seeing a new running back one last week, Rocket Sanders, we talked about it a little bit, but he had a heck of a game. Is there any chance we're going to see an uptick in his carries, even maybe, you know, passing the veteran guy in Traylon Smith? I don't think we're going to see a change as far as a starter is concerned, because I really think they like what Traylon Smith brings to the table, you know, leadership wise. And plus it's not like he had a bad game. As I said, he ran for like 85 yards. I don't know how many carries it was on, but, he had a good game and he has put up solid numbers this year, averaging over five yards a carry, I want to say, and leads the team in rushing. So it's not like he's done bad. Like last year, Rakeem Boyd struggled and there was no disputing that he was averaging like three yards a carry. It was just consistently getting outrushed outgained by Traylon Smith, the backup. And eventually they, they swapped and uh, maybe rocket Sanders has a higher potential. Uh, I think that that's probably the case. Uh, but until, I mean, I, I, I think you, you got to stick with your senior and I mean, maybe, maybe we see those carries a little bit more even moving forward and maybe even rocket rocket getting more carries. Uh, but I think we're still going to see Traylon Smith at the beginning of games. And I feel like that's when he does his best running is like on that, that first series or two, uh, he, he will rip off, you know, a 12 yard gain here, a 15 yard gain there. And all of a sudden he's got, you know, 40 yards on, uh, in the first quarter. And you're thinking, oh man, he could be on to something big. Uh, but they've got three three other guys that can rotate in there. Plus, you've got the quarterback running the ball. So uh, I think they've just got lots of options. That's a, that's a good position to be in if you're Kendall Bryles. Without question. And, and you know, Kendall Bryles will have a lot to work with this weekend in, in his receiving core. Um, Mason, what do you think about, you know, 
not only the the receiving core as a whole, but Traylon Burke specifically going up against an Auburn secondary that's kind of struggled this year. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Traylon Burks is he's going to do really good against anybody not named Georgia. I said that earlier, but it's like uh, they didn't take a whole lot of shots to him against Georgia, and I think that it's 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 Traylon Burks at the end of the day. He's going to get his touches. They're going to throw the ball to him. He's going to have plays where he gets open. It doesn't matter who the secondary is. So it's really not a question of Traylon Burks, how he's going to do against the Auburn secondary. It's more of a question of, like, how much attention is he going to take away to open up more opportunities for other guys. Like we saw Warren Thompson last week. Can Warren Thompson emerge as the number two guy? We wanted Tyson Morris to do it earlier in the year, but he couldn't. And so, or not not yet. I mean, anybody could at this point. But um, I think Warren Thompson, you know, a lot of people talk about him. Pittman seems to like him a lot. Um, I think he could be a really good guy. There's there's a reason he was at Florida State. Florida State isn't a, a place where they just recruit um, crappy players. So, um, I think, I think Arkansas is going to have some, some better pass catching threats this week, um, especially against a down Auburn secondary, like you said. Yeah. And just adding to that, you know, our, uh, Auburn has, has gone against some pretty brutal teams. I mean, you've gone against an FCS team in Alcorn state and then what is also a basically an FCS team in Auburn, or in, in Akron, excuse me. And, and they really haven't shown much in the secondary, even playing with that extreme lead. Just 13 pass breakups in 2021. That ranks them at 105th in the country. Uh, and they've also been giving up expl- explosive plays like Oprah. I mean, eight, eight of 30 plus, which is 61st in the country. And then they've also given up five plays of 40 plus thus far in the season. That's 85th in the country. It's a secondary that's prone to being hit over the top and hit for, for big yards. And what have, where have we seen Arkansas really succeed in scoring against those top-level teams? It's been through the air and on those big chunk plays. I think that's a huge matchup that's going to be worth taking a look at for Arkansas. Um, one, one last note before we get into our predictions and thoughts. These two, two teams do have a common opponent, uh, just one, and we're in that p- point in the season where you're looking at you know, transitive property stuff. Both these teams lost to, to Georgia, Arkansas by 37, uh, 37 to nothing in Athens, but Auburn 34 to 10 uh, at home. Uh, you know, do you guys think that those, those losses are going to have any indicator in what we're going to see from this game? I don't think so. I mean, you, uh, the Georgia game for Arkansas was just a total – it was just bad from the start. And I think they just kind of snowballed on them. Uh, the, the rowdy crowd, 93,000 screaming fans, even though it was an early start, uh, I think really impacted them. We saw that with all the false starts. And, you know, Auburn did get to play at home. Uh, that, that helps. Uh, it is a rivalry game, so they probably got up a little bit for that as well. Uh, so I, I don't think you can put too much stock in comparing those two games. I think it's a, a totally different game. And I mean, the example I like to use all the time, I believe it was a 2016 season for Arkansas. They went out, they beat Florida, and then they lost to LSU. And then the following week, Florida beat LSU. I mean, it was like three straight weeks back to back to back, and it just made no sense. And that's just, that's college football for you. You can't put too much stock into you know, what one team did to the other and the transitive property. Uh, that, it's just it's college football. It's wild. I mean, we, we kind of saw the best example of it. Texas A&M going and beating Alabama after Arkansas looked really dominant against Texas A&M. So um, as Hutch said, like, I don't think it's going to be a factor. Auburn got to play at home. The Georgia game was an 11 a.m. kickoff. Kirby Smart said fill the stadium. Uh, it was game day. It was a game day game. So they were pretty hype. And I think, you know, Sam Pittman kind of took a page out of Kirby Smart's book, and he's calling out the fans, calling out the students this week. So I think Arkansas already has an advantage. How many points advantage those fans are going to be? I mean, against Texas, what did we say? It was a seven-point advantage already. Is, are they going to have that against Auburn this weekend? I know it's it's not, you know, primetime ESPN, but, you know, it, it's going to be great for them to finally be back at home because it feels like it's been forever since there's been a game here in Fayetteville. Definitely. And, and I think, you know, what's even funnier to that point is two weeks ago, we saw Mississippi State beat Texas A&M. And then last week we saw A&M beat um, Alabama. And then this week we're probably going to not not saying it's certain, but we're probably going to see Alabama bounce back against Mississippi State. So the transitive property 
it is interesting to look at if there's no ties or if there's no true head to head, but you're going to kind of find out who's real and who's fake based on that. There are flukes that happen. That's why it's such a great sport. Um, moving into our predictions, we've been, you know, pretty close the last couple, actually throughout the whole season. I think we've had a pretty decent feel on what the team has been able to go out and look like. I was a little bit off last week with the under that was not even close. It was missed by about 40 points. Um, Mason, I want to start with you. Uh, just some thoughts on the game. I know we're going to be saving our score predictions for um, the, the, the site it'll be up Saturday morning or, or Friday night over at hogbeat.com. So if you want to see our score prediction and then a paragraph or two about why we think that's going to happen, make sure you guys go check that out over on the site. It's great stuff. And also you have to laugh at us if we're wrong. So Mason, go ahead with your, uh, your kind of breakdown of this game. Yeah. Before I start, Alex, I just want to point out the fact that you, uh, you just didn't mention that you picked Arkansas to beat Georgia. So uh, that didn't happen either. I also picked Ole Miss to beat Arkansas, which almost was wrong on that one too, but we'll even the score there. Okay, you made up for it. That's fine. Um, I think that, you know, I kind of said it before we started recording. I think Arkansas is going to win this game pretty easily. Um, I don't know. I don't know how comfortable I am in saying that because I also felt like they were going to beat Ole Miss last weekend. I do think Arkansas was probably the better team on the field last weekend, to be honest with you. Um, but I think they're going to be the better team on the field this weekend. I think offensively they found their groove. Defensively, Hutch kind of mentioned it earlier, they just have to do enough to win the game, and I think that they'll be able to do that as long as, long as they are healthy. Like Hutch said, Jalen Catalan hasn't been at practice. If Jalen Catalan's not on the field this Saturday, that's a pretty big deal because that's one of your top defensive players. So, um, But I still think Arkansas wins the game. Uh, I don't have a score prediction now, but – I feel like it's going to be at least by a touchdown. Hodge will slide on over to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the fact that it is at home gives them a massive advantage. And I, I feel like Arkansas is going to win. And, and the thing that I'm kind of struggling with right now is, is how, how much they win by, um, you know, I, I did pick Arkansas to, to rather handedly beat Texas A&M. I think I picked that game 24 to 10 and it ended up being 20 to 10. I'm starting to think that Arkansas might win this game by multiple possessions, especially when you factor in, you know, if, if the home crowd is worth seven points, like what Mason was saying, you know, then maybe you'll add another seven. Cause I just think Arkansas is a seven points better than Auburn. Maybe you're looking at a, a 14 point win or something like that, or maybe even a 17 point win. Uh, it's scary to talk like that because generally that's when uh, Arkansas will be like, Oh, Nope, we're going to, we're going to go lay an egg. But it just, it just feels different with Sam Pittman at the helm. It feels like he's not going to let his team go lay an egg. They're at least going to be competitive. Uh, and this is a game they should win. So I think they're going to go out there and, you know, throw in the fact the, the way last year's game ended against Auburn. And, and they're going to want to try to make this game put it away so it's not in the hands of an official at the end of the game. Because I think we all know uh, officiating is going to go in favor of Auburn because we've seen it numerous times just since the start of last year it's unreal I've never seen a team get so many beneficial calls uh, so Arkansas is going to want to put it away and, and make sure they don't leave it in the hands of the zebras Hutch Hutch you're wrong you're wrong because Bo Nix said that they don't get the calls so Bo Nix <laughs> is right um, he Bo Nix definitely never gets the calls he's never gotten a call in his favor right am I right by saying that Oh my gosh. It's, un I mean, the, the, the Kentucky game last year where they had like a guy that clearly scored and they, they took it off the board that could have changed that game. The Arkansas game last year, the Georgia state game, they had to have a call go their way to help them in that game. So, Oh my goodness. It's, it's unreal. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta, it, it's, I don't know how, how many officials are on the field at the same time, five, six, something like that. It, it it's not, it's not 11 on 11 when you're playing Auburn. You know, we've got seven points. We've got 14 points. Why don't we jump it up to 20 plus? I think Arkansas, like Mason said, was the better team last week. Uh, you had you had them on the road. You had the worst defensive performance I've seen so far this season, maybe dating back to last season as well. Um, this is going to be an Arkansas team that comes out fired up. They feel they got robbed last year because they got robbed last year. They should have won this game. They did win this game last year. Um, they were on the road. Uh, Arkansas has gotten better since last year, and Auburn has – to be quite frank, gotten worse. They don't have the same horses that they had last year. Um, 
I, I think, you know, it might start out slow, but I, I think, you know, with as poorly as Arkansas's defense played last week, I think they have to show a little bit of pushback. Uh, they, they aren't going to be world beaters by any means, but, you know, maybe hold Auburn below that 20 point mark, go ahead and get themselves 30 to 40 points. I, th- I think that's a pretty fair uh take on the game Auburn just I mean even against uh non-FCS or FCS like teams they're 22 points per game on offense that's not great that's not that's not amazing um it's gonna be you know maybe like I said maybe close at first but you're gonna see Arkansas uh kind of run away with this one late especially as the fans start to get fired up start to get you know it's homecoming it's gonna be a big crowd uh I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas win this game by 20 plus points and I do think that that the over like like Hutch mentioned earlier, 54 seems kind of low for this game. Uh, generally, if something seems low, it probably is right, but I'm going to take the bait and I'll go with 54 uh, or over 54. And I think Arkansas will easily, easily cover the, the three and a half as I think the rest of us or the rest of y'all did as well. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to mention again that we do have a deal going on over at hogbeat.com. It's 12 months of coverage, usually a hundred dollar uh, value for just, uh, 11 95, not even $12. You're paying uh, about three cents a day. It's, it's a fantastic deal. You're able to check out all my recruiting content, all Hutch's VIP content, all Mason's VIP content gets a look on the boards, uh, you know mess around with the with the guys on the boards they're a great time they they don't ever overreact to anything um we have fun over at hogby and the boards are a great time so for three cents a day it's definitely worth it make sure you dm hutch uh, at andrew hutchinson 413 at gmail.com uh to to with your dot edu email address to take advantage of this deal and make sure uh you guys do that before the end of october because the deal is going to expire um it doesn't come around very often you're not going to see a, a value this good um that often so make sure you guys do that with that being said um this has been the hogbeat hour i'm alex trader that's andrew hutchinson and that's mason choate and we will see you guys next week